everyone welcome back to midwest madness true crime cult conspiracy and crypto podcast i'm emily and i'm danielle and emily just gave me a really weird look what was that look for? i don't know uh <laughs> if you didn't listen to the end of the episode last week i'm still sick we're gonna get that out of the way hopefully by the two weeks from now next time we record yeah i'll feel better i would be just astounded i think it's because like you're finally getting around people again i feel like my immune system is just like shit well and like you don't have to wear a mask anymore yeah and no one else is wearing yeah and and i work with disgusting germy little children so yeah i'm around germs all the time anyways because i mean i had a cold like a month and a half ago and my cough never really went away and i'm already sick again yeah bullshit but it is i feel terrible it you. is what it is you gotta do what you gotta do yep <laughs> so here we are and luckily this one you can just drink your tea with a reckless abandon because i'm doing most of the talking it's all gone oh yeah did you want to make more before no okay um i suppose it's a little too late now. yeah we've already started it's already seven o'clock so i can't drink too many more liquids i'll be peeing all night that is probably more information than anybody needed but thank you so much i have a tiny bladder what can i say (laughs) all right um so if you listened to last week's episode you know that my story is in the 1930s Uh and it it is the story of john dillinger oh i did actually see this one but i thought we already did it so no we did jesse james i did a mini on jesse james i thought we did like another uh like get, we did a couple gangs yeah midwest bank bandits but they were from like the 70s i gotcha. think well i did see this so, but i didn't do it so john dillinger wait where did you see it what i'm so confused i looked up crimes in south dakota oh did you and yeah, john he, dillinger he does pop over there because i was like that's i wanted to try to find a story that was there but yeah so we're going to start our story in 1903. John Dillinger was born on June 22nd in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, in his teen years, he was often in trouble, mostly for fighting and petty theft. Um, his mom died when he was really young. I think he was like four. And then his dad remarried and he like hated his stepmom, which is such a trope. But yeah, just really hated his stepmom. Um, and then... They ended up moving, the family ended up moving outside of the city to a town called Mooresville, Indiana, because his dad was trying to keep John from his life of crime. Unfortunately, this did not have the desired effect, and John was arrested for auto theft less than a year after his family moved. How old was he, do you know? Um, I want to say like 14. Oh, wow. 13, Young. 14. Yeah. I have to sneeze. Um, in 1923 John enlisted in the U.S. Navy but he deserted a few months later when his ship was docked in Boston which led him to being dishonorably discharged in 1924 John moved back to Mooresville where he met and married Beryl Ethel Huvius Beryl B-E-R-Y-L so like Meryl, but with a B instead. What? She went by Ethel, which is not a shock. Yeah, right. <laughs> her parents must not have liked her. Well, I always think that too when people have really bad names. I'm like, 
Yikes. I can't really talk to him. My name's Emily, and literally a million and a half people are named Emily, so. <laughs> but it's not Beryl, so. I'd almost rather have Beryl sometimes. <laughs> At least I'd be unique. <laughs> oh, boy. So, um, when John couldn't find a job, he started to plan his first ever robbery with a friend of his named Ed Singleton. Um, and Ed was already an ex-convict. So they decide to rob a local grocery store and they get away with a grand total of $50. Back then. Uh huh. Which w- would you like to try and guess how much that was in today's money? What year again? Um, 1924. $400. 890 or no, $829.58. Okay. Well, I was low. Yeah, a little bit. Um, unfortunately for them, when they left the scene, they were spotted by a minister who knew both of them and reported them to the police. Idiots. (laughs) So, um, Ed pled not guilty and ended up getting two years in prison. But after John had a conversation with his dad, he was like, you know what? I'll plead guilty. Like I did it. And his dad was like, that's the right thing to do. So his dad seems like a good God. yeah his dad was like a deacon in his church and oh. like really I, I feel like he really did try his best for his son but I mean your kids make their own choices right. um and so he does plead guilty and since he pled guilty both John and his father expected like probation because he was like yeah I did it but unfortunately John was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison for assault and battery with intent to rob and conspiracy to commit a felony. Oh damn, I did not think it was going to go that way. I know, doesn't that? Isn't that just like real bullshit? Yeah, that other guy, he did he, he probably didn't rat on the other guy, did he? I don't know. I mean, you would kind of have to say something. But then why wouldn't the other guy get more I don't time? know. That's I, what really bugs me. Interesting. And like it also really pissed off his family and him because he was like, I did the right, right thing, thing and I'm sentenced to 10 times more yeah, than this other guy. That's not fair. I mean, and yeah, absolutely. He's right. That is not fair. He did. I mean, he did it. So like you should be punished, be punished, mm-hmm. but, but 10 not, to 20 years, not that much. Yeah. Um, on the way to prison, John did escape his captors, which was his first escape. But um, it was very brief, and he was recaptured a few minutes later. Okay. So, yeah, that one, I was, like, very irritated with this judge. Because, like, his dad even went to the judge and was like, WTF, like, he pled guilty, he did the right thing, and you're going to do this to him. And it really, in one of my sources, it really, like, sent John on a just down the path of yeah, fuck I'm, you, I'm basically. sure I could see that. Which I feel is totally fair. Right. <laughs> like, I would also feel that way. Right. So, um, he, this first prison sentence actually is really what kind of, like, set him down the path of life of crime. Because he befriends several other seasoned bank robbers in inside, including Harry Pete Pierpoint, uh, Charles McCauley, Russell Clark, and Homer Van Meter. He also studied uh, a man named Herman Lamb's style of robbery and used it extensively during the rest of his career. Um, and of those guys, uh, Homer comes back quite a bit. So we'll okay. hear quite a bit about Homer Van Meter. 
Um, on May 10th, 1933, after petitioning and collecting 188 signatures, John's father was able to get him out of prison. It oh. had been nine years, and unfortunately, it was the height of the Great Depression when John gets out. I feel bad kind of for his dad. I know. Doesn't he just seem like a really sweet Seems dude? Like, the, like, so nice, like, uh, kind of a shitty way for him to repay his dad. Yeah, absolutely. And, like... He works so hard and he he just seems like such a good guy and for his son to just kind of almost spit in his face is yeah. just kind of heartbreaking. And unfortunately, I didn't write down his dad's name. It is out there. I just forgot to write it down. So if you want to look it up, you yeah, certainly can. Um. So instead of being able to find a job, immediately John turns back to a life of crime Um. because, again, height of the Great Depression and he's a convicted felon. So... I think his dad's name is also John Dillander. Was it? Oh, mm, maybe not. He was born in 1903, you said, right? Yeah. I think his dad was also named John Dillander. Okay. Yeah. Um, so on June 21st, 1933, just 42 days after he got out of jail, John robs his first bank, the new Carlisle National Bank. And he gets away with $10,000, which would you like to guess how much that is in today's money? $10,000. Um, $500,000. That was closer. Yeah, that, that was closer. It's a hard game, too, because, like, you have no reference point. <laughs> um... Then on August 14th, he robs a bank in Bluffton, Ohio, and was caught and brought to Allen County Jail. When they searched John at the jail, they found a document that seemed to be a prison escape, but when they asked him, like, what is this? He's like, hmm. Because, like, why would he tell you? Right. He hates you. <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, it was an escape plan, but not for John. Instead, it was an escape plan for some of the men that he had befriended in prison. Pete Pierpoint, Russell Clark, and six other men escaped prison because John had some of his friends on the outside smuggle guns in to the prison for them, and they used it to escape four days after John was arrested for the Bluffton Bank robbery. So now he's got all these other criminals on the outside just kind of waiting for him. Yeah. So these men became known as the first Dillinger gang and consisted of Peter Pierpoint, Russell Clark, Charles McKaylee, Ed Schaus, Harry Copeland, and Joy Red Hamilton. They don't have like gangs like these do nowadays, do they? I feel like they do. They're just like the inner city kind of gang. Like bigger? I feel like way bigger. I don't know. I'm not in a gang. Me neither. So. <laughs> I don't know anything about them. So No, I don't either. That maybe would be an interesting co- topic of conversation with Tom. Maybe. He might know. So, okay. On October 12th, 1933, which is about two months after um, John Dillinger has been put in the Allen County Jail, um... Russell and Charles come to the prison where John is being held um, and they impersonate Indiana police officers. Oh, and Peter. Sorry, I missed Peter in there. Um, 
they were they told the sheriff Jess Sarber that they were coming to extradite John to Indiana. When Sheriff Sarber asked for their credentials, Peter shot and killed him. They then released John and escape back to Indiana where they meet up with the rest of the gang. Okay. I kind of figured they were going to break him out. Yeah. Not, Had not to a return huge, the favor. Yeah. Not a huge shock there. Um, he, so that's his, his first actual escape from prison. Okay. Are um, we going to keep count? <laughs> Well, he escapes more than once. I think it's three times. Um, the Dillinger gang robbed 12 banks between June 21st, 1933 and June 30th, 1934. But during that year, it wasn't always smooth sailing. 12, damn. Yeah, in a year. That's like one a month. <laughs> Impressive. Um, on January 25th, 1934, the Dillinger gang was captured in Tucson, Arizona. John was taken back to Indiana and brought to Crowen Point, Indiana, where he was facing charges for the murder of a police officer who was killed during a bank robbery in Chicago on January 15th. The local police were really proud of themselves for catching him, which <laughs> they didn't do because he was caught in Tucson. Right. And for holding him, but they should not have been because Obviously. about two months later, on March 3rd, uh... John and 15 other inmates were able to escape when John produced a pistol and escaped the prison without having to fire a shot. Now, you might be asking, Danielle, where did he get that pistol from? He was in prison. Let me tell you, almost immediately after this, people started to wonder if the gun was even real because there were reports that he was using a gun that he filed out of a wooden shelf in his jail cell with a razor blade what yeah (laughs) so um his attorney though lewis pickett claims that he smuggled a gun into john but fbi files say that it was not real so and like if you were one of the officers or whatever or like prison guards at that jail and the notorious john dillinger escaped without having to fire a shot do you think you'd be like, oh, yeah, no, it was a fake gun. We were wrong. Or do you be like, no, 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 it was absolutely a real gun. I'd say it'd be real. Yeah, me too. Because I wouldn't, even if it, even if I didn't really think it was, I wouldn't want to, like, admit that I just, like, let him walk out right. with a piece of wood. Right. So I feel like we kind of have to believe that it wasn't. But I don't know. Um, John was then indicted by a grand jury and the Bureau of Investigation, which I'm going to call the BOI, which is my favorite thing ever, um, and is a precursor to the FBI, right. being run by J. Edgar Hoover, organized a national man or a nationwide manhunt for John Dillinger. So at this point, John Dillinger and his wife have divorced. Barrel. Yes, <laughs> Ethel. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but yes. Um. And he was now dating a woman named Billy, which I think is such a cute name for a girl. Must be real hard to date a bank robber. Uh, it'd be exhausting and Probably very never stressful. See him. Um. So Billy told she was arrested eventually, and later told people that for um I want to say aiding and abetting. Okay, that I would make sense. I can't remember for sure. 
And then they like wanted her to tell them where John was and she refused. So um, ride or die. Yeah. Um, she claimed that she, John met up with her, um, after he escaped the prison or the second prison. Um, and they went to the Twin Cities area staying at the Santa Monica apartments in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Huh. While in Minneapolis, John met up with John Red Hamilton and they rounded up a new gang. The gang consisted of Babyface Nelson. They had the coolest names. I know, right? (laughs) Homer Van Meter, who remembers from the very first little posse he had um, in prison. Um, Tommy Carroll and Eddie Green. So this is the second Dillinger gang. And they then rob a bank in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. A week later, they go to our favorite recurring city, Mason City, Iowa. Jeez. And rob uh, the first national bank there. Now we're good. So then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had a little snafu. Okay, go. We were trying to make it look like we didn't, but... but we did, so. Whoops. <laughs> so um, on March 20th, which is record date... In 1934, John and Billy moved into the Lincoln Court Apartments in St. Paul, Minneapolis, using the names of Mr. and Mrs. Carl T. Hellman. And this is hilarious to me. They chose the last name of Hellman. Oh. Like, why would you do something a little less obvious, you guys? They also liked the Twin Cities. Um, Well, at this point, the Twin Cities was kind of like a haven for criminals, uh, as you might remember. Um, from the Stillwater ghost thing we did. Yeah. She, like, talked about how, like, there are a lot of gangsters and stuff in the areas. and Yeah. So, at this point, it was not a safe place to be. Right. So, um, unfortunately for the pair, the fake name did not fool Daisy Coffee, their landlady. <laughs> and Smart lady. I know, right? What a badass. Um, on March 30th, so 10 days later, she went to the BOI St. Paul field office and told them about the couple and their new Hudson sedan. The BOI started watching. I just want to leave like the boy. Did she <laughs> know who they were or did she just, was she just like, I'm suspicious of you? I think she knew who they were okay. because at this point there's a nationwide manhunt for John Dillinger. So his picture is probably out there. Yeah. Okay. And so I think she probably knew. Okay. Um, Smart of her to just like on the slide, just be like, Hey. Yeah. Right ballsy lady tell you what um so the boi starts watching the apartment building that night and the next morning agent Knowles and agent coulter took action so i want to warn you this there's a part in here that's coming up that's going to get kind of confusing so please let me know if you need clarification okay because there's a bit of a gunfight okay so um on that next morning so March 31st, um, Agent Knowles circles the block looking for the Dillinger's new car. And I'm just going to call them the Dillinger's because That's like fine. they were common life, husband, wife. Yeah. So, um, but he couldn't find anything. So he parked on Lincoln Avenue near Lexington and remained in the car while watching Agent Coulter and St. Paul Police Detective Henry Cummings enter the building. Can I have uh, a timeout real quick? Yes. Did you look up these streets? I was going to, but then I just figured I would do it and post them later. Okay. I was just curious if they're still the same street names. These buildings aren't standing anymore. There's only one I think that's still standing. Okay. Um, And I don't actually name that because I was like, this is getting kind of long. 
So, um, unpause. Keep yeah, <laughs> sorry. So, okay. Enters uh, the building. Yes. While they are inside, Homer Van Meter, um, that that old friend, um, pulls up and parks on the north side of the building. He is in like a like a green fort, I think. And he's part of the gang. Yes. Okay. So, um, before Homer gets up to the apartment, Detective Cummings and Agent Coulter go up to John and Billy's apartment door and they knock. Billy answers the door, opening it only about two or three inches. She informs them that she's not dressed and asks them to come back later. They tell her that they'll wait. While they're waiting, Homer comes into the hallway and asks Agent Coulter if his name is Johnson. When Coulter says it isn't, Homer goes to the stairs to leave. As he's starting down the stairs, Agent Coulter asks Homer what his name is, and Homer just responds with, I'm a soap salesman, end quote. <laughs> Which okay. is hilarious. Believable. Yes. Um, and then Coulter asks where Homer's samples are, and Homer says that they're in his car. They then ask for his ID, which he says he doesn't have. And then he kind of like continues down the stairs. Agent Coulter waits about 30 seconds before following Homer down the stairs. When he reaches the ground floor, Homer opens fire on him. Coulter runs outside with Homer chasing him, but instead of following the agent outside, Homer runs back inside. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, so right now we have our two BOI agents outside the building one detective inside the building john dillinger and billy are in their apartment and homer is on the first floor of the building okay okay so there's one sitting in a car outside and one that just ran outside yes inside yes so at that point um agent Knowles points out the ford that homer had pulled up in and coulter shoots out one of the tires to disable it and then waits with the car while Nalls runs to the corner drugstore for a phone to call the BOI. Oh, jeez. So he calls the St. Paul office but can't get through because the both of the lines were busy. Oh, God. Can you imagine, like, how much this would have changed if he'd been able to get it through to the... Well, I don't know what happens, so... Like... I'm sure, yeah. How different things could have been. Um... Homer was able to escape by hopping onto a passing coal truck. What? Yeah. So, like, there's, like, a truck that was just, like, driving through the area, and he just, like, hopped on and, like, like hit um, himself. Okay. Because they use, like, coal for furnaces right. and stuff. So, I'm assuming um, he ran back inside, but he didn't do anything back inside. He, he just ran back outside and got on a coal truck and it, ran away. It sounds like he was, like, okay, well, there's this guy is here, so, like... There was two guys upstairs and there's probably another guy outside and I don't have the manpower or the firepower to get past two of them. So I'm going to run back inside where I know what's safe for right now. And then come up with a plan. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Um. Okay. So Billy and John were still in the apartment while the little firefight was going on downstairs. And when the two hear Homer start shooting, John opens fire on the on the door of the apartment with a Thompson submachine gun. Detective Cummings dives out of the way, and when John comes into the hallway, he continues to fire off another round of shots that Detective Cummings returns with his revolver, but he quickly runs out of ammunition. I think he had like eight shots. Oh, God. With one of his shots, he actually does hit John Dillinger in the left calf, but does not have the man or firepower to keep John and Billy pinned down, 
So he takes off after Homer and Agent Coulter downstairs. So he doesn't die? No, he survived. So is John Dillinger just like a really shitty shot? I I don't know. Maybe he didn't know how many people were out there. So he was just letting it fly and just like didn't. Yeah, I was shocked because he hits John Dillinger. But John Dillinger with the submachine gun does not hit him. I'm happy. I really thought that was going to turn out way worse. I know, right? So did I. I was shocked. So um, John and Billy go out the back door and they escape in their car and go to Eddie Green's apartment in Minneapolis. John is later treated by a shady doctor friend of Green's um, and the the building that they go to for him to be treated is the one that's still standing. It's like a Masonic something or other. I don't, oh, okay, I don't yeah. remember what it, it was called like Masonic something something okay. building. Yeah. I don't know. Um, And then while John is actually being treated by this doctor, he has to stay at at the place that he's at for like four days and um eddie goes to visit him one day and then is killed on his way home by saint paul's boi agents so one down yeah another one another one gone um on april 22nd john has another close call with boi agents in a small vacation lodge um called little bohemia which is located near present day manitowich waters wisconsin I was going to say, he needs to get out of Minnesota. Yeah, he did. Um, The BOI agents arrive and see a car with three men inside. When the car starts to drive off, agents demand for them to stop. When they don't, the agents open fire. It is unclear who was in that car. If they were part of John's crew, if they were just other guests. Unfortunately, um, the driver was killed in that incident, but I, I don't know who the driver was. My thoughts are... If we don't know who it was, probably not a gangster. Not a gangster. That was my feeling too. Um, and then Dillinger was not in the car. He and members of his gang opened fire from an upstairs window in the resort. While agents are taking cover, Dillinger and his men go out through another back door and escape. These poor people at this place are probably just enjoying their little vacation. <laughs> right? All of a sudden, pop, pop, pop. They're like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Billy and John then go back to Mooresville, which is where his dad still lives, um, with his stepmom and half brother named like Hubert, I think. Um, some stuff happened there, but it wasn't really like super exciting or like, and this was getting long. So I just kind of was like, you know what? They go back home. They visit family. Um, but this is when, um, Billy and John get separated. Oh, so basically what happened from what I remember from the research was he was going to meet some contacts and the FBI or the BOI knew he was there. And so she like went in first to like make sure it was all clear. And he like stayed in the car like four blocks down and she was going to come back and get him. And they arrested her instead. And then they were like, where is he? And she's like, okay. So Unfortunately, the two never see each other again. Oh. Which is pretty sad because it seems like they were very, very in love with one another. Yeah, well, that's what you get when you're a criminal. <laughs> that, you're not wrong. Um, So then in late May of 1934, both John Dillinger and Homer um, Van whatever <laughs> uh, both get some really like shady plastic surgery done in some random house by some shady doctors to change his like 
appearance. But it's weird because they don't like completely change their appearances. It's more like almost cosmetic. So from the list that I found, it said that um, it was for John. It was mostly removing some moles from his face, filling in a scar on his nose and then removing some dimples and changing the shape of his mouth. Okay. So none of those things would really completely alter your appearance to make you look that different. Right. Um, and then another procedure they had done was to remove their um, fingerprints. Oh. Which sounded really horrific. And actually, John Dillinger almost died during the procedure. What did they do? They overdosed him on one of the, like, medications to, like, knock him out. Oh, and he stopped shit. breathing. <laughs> And so one of the shady doctors, like, used some forceps and, like, pulled his tongue out and then jabbed his elbows into John Dillinger's um, chest and forced him to breathe. And he, like, sucked in a breath of air and, like, survived. <sighs> no. Yeah. This is why we don't get surgeries done by shady doctors. Do you know how, what, like, I would think you could just, like, burn your finger chips and it was like a chemical thing okay and it sounded like they like peeled back the skin Ooh. and that yeah it sounded okay. really pretty gross next <laughs> um in july of 1934 john had disappeared the boi okay. the boi had no idea where he was for a hot minute um this time he was in chicago good lucky for them i don't think he'll stay quiet for long um he was living there going by the name of jimmy lawrence um who he was with the background of a criminal a petty criminal from wisconsin and actually one of the articles i read said that he really enjoyed living there because he actually got like a real job oh he was like a clerk at some company and like i don't know if it was like to scam or something but he enjoyed living pretty anonymously there for a while okay um, especially because the BOI had no idea where he was. But unfortunately for him, that was kind of the headquarters of the search for him. Oh. So, like, that was, like, the location they were basing everything out of. Um, and they find a blood-spattered car that they knew he had stolen um, on, like, a side street, like, right outside the city. And so they are like, okay, we know he's in the city. Right. Um. So then on August 23rd, Homer, who was kind of like John's closest ally, was killed by former St. Paul Police Chief Tom Brown and current um, St. Paul Police Chief Frank Cullen. Now, I don't know if you remember, but John, uh, sorry, not John, um, Tom Brown has actually popped up in another episode. He was in the Jesse James one. Oh. So I will be covering him eventually, so don't, don't cover I him. Don't. <laughs> Because I think he has a very interesting... interesting yeah, because he story. was definitely corrupt for a while. Oh. If it's the same Tom Brown, which... How many Tom Browns have been police chief in St. Paul? I don't know. Probably only one. <laughs> that would be my, my assumption. Um, so... Poor Homer. Just kidding. <laughs> Sayonara, friend. Um, so, while John was living... And this was while John was living in Chicago... So, while he's living in Chicago, he meets a woman named Polly Hamilton. She met him in June of 1934, and it said that she looked remarkably like Billy. I was going to say, whoa, here, John, what about Billy? 
Poor yeah. Billy, she didn't squeal on you. Well, and he, she's been your ride or die. Yeah, and he actually um really wanted to rescue her. Like he like had come up with a whole big plan to try and rescue her, and he was talked out of it by other members of his gang because they were like, "It's never gonna work. They know he, you're gonna come for her. Right? Like they're gonna be ready for you." And so he like abandoned the plan. Oh, um, Polly came along. Yeah, and um, Polly was um a former prostitute and sex worker. Yes, sorry, thank you. Um it said prostitute in no, my source. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry, you guys. Um and so like she had this really shady friend who was a, a madam at that brothel that she had been working at named Anna. So Anna contacts the BOI. Oh. Because Anna was a Romanian immigrant and she had been threatened with deportation due to, quote, low moral character, end quote, and offered BOI agents information on where John Dillinger was in exchange for not being deported. I mean, save yourself, girl. <laughs> Guess what? Didn't work. They still what? deported her later. You're kidding. Nope. They oh. were like, yeah, we won't deport you. We promise. Wink, 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 wink. And then, like... Three years later, they deported her back to Romania. Boo. <laughs> well, that's what you get for being a betrayer, I guess. For who? She betrayed the, she betrayed John and, and uh, Polly and actually almost got other people killed in the process. Well, because I mean, they kind of deserved it. Not innocent people, Emily. Well, no, but <laughs> you shouldn't get deported for doing the right thing. But is it the right thing if you're doing it to save your own skin? Moral yeah. questions. I don't think it is. If they're bad, hmm, I don't know. I think we're. Are we gonna disagree on this? One? I think we're having to agree to disagree because I. That's I fine. think what she did was real shady. And I think it was right. Yeah. It, um. Okay. So be, I think it'd be different if they were like best friends forever. But well, and like at this point, like he wasn't really doing anything wrong anymore. But he had. Yeah. But he also got fucked over. And served a ton of jail time for something that he shouldn't have said. <laughs> We're going to disagree on this one. I just, I, kind of, I just kind of feel bad for him. I feel like he's kind of a tragic soul. Well, I would agree with that. But at the same time, like, you can't just, like... I know. Do live a life of crime and then expect not to have I consequences. know. He had the consequences. They just happened first. I did my <laughs> waiting. <laughs> Ten years. Of, nine years of it. <laughs> That was amazing. Thank nice, you. Nice. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, Anna tells the BOI that John is dating Polly and that the three of them were going to see a movie the next day. She told them that she would wear an orange dress to help stand out to the agents because she wasn't sure which of the two theaters they were going to. And here's the other thing that made me kind of sad was like he was like trying to be really nice and had invited her along on their date night. And he was like, hey, you want to come with us? And she was like, oh, sure. Oh, I'm going to make fried chicken. And then like, oh, I don't have any butter. I'll be right back. And then she runs down to the store, calls the BOI, gets the butter, and then comes back. And I was like, shady, shady lady. You do what you got to do, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> so a team of BOI agents went to each of the two theaters um, because, again, they didn't know which one I was going to be at. And they were like, damn it, we are not losing him again. Um, but when they came out, John Dillinger made the lookout. So he like saw the, the agent was like, he's a fucking agent. And so he tries to run away 
And as he's running, he tries to pull his gun out of his like jacket pocket, like the it's like inside the jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm making a lot of his hand inside motions. pocket. Yeah, I'm making a lot of hand motions that doesn't help you guys at all. Right. Um and so he runs into a nearby alley, which they've already the BOI has already blocked off. Um three agents, Charles Hurt, Charles or oh that was one of these is not a Charles. I messed up. So three agents, Hurt, Winstead, and Hollis, follow him into the alleyway, and they shoot John four times. Two bullets graze him. One caused a superficial wound on his right side, and the fatal bullet entered through the back of his neck, severed his spinal cord, went through his brain, and exited just under his right eye. Ugh. Yeah. You're welcome. I read it, so you had to hear it. <laughs> um... John Dillinger was pronounced dead at um, the hospital because they did call an ambulance for him because they were like, well, we don't know if he's going to survive or not because he lived for a little bit. Um, And he was pronounced dead on July 22nd, 1934, around 1040 p.m. People were literally dipping cloth from like their handkerchiefs and skirts and newspapers into his blood as souvenirs. Oh, that's fucked. Yeah, isn't that gross? Um, four death masks were made of his face and his body was available for public display with an approximated, um, 1500 people coming to view the body. I don't understand people's fascination with like that kind of thing. I don't, I don't get it either. And like public executions and like, yeah, I'm like, Ooh, weird. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know what a death mask is, right? No. Okay. So death mask is basically like a plaster mask that they would make after you died so it was like an impression of your face right just 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 cause okay and like he was like one of the most notorious criminals i think he was literally public enemy number one for a really long time him and harry potter (laughs) undesirable (laughs) yeah harry potter's undesirable number one um so during his approximately year i wrote yearish of crime um john dillinger and his gang killed 10 men wounded three staged three jailbreaks killing a sheriff in one and wounding two guards in another and that my friend is the story of john dillinger that's good that's a good one yeah it it was a lot more than i thought it was going to be to be completely honest with you interesting ending i I heard his name but i didn't really know his story yeah it's yeah it's quite the story that's for sure um, J. Edgar, Edgar Hoover made him, like, his mission to get him. Um, he, it was, like, a really big deal for them to get him. And then there was some, like, speculation for a while that it wasn't actually him because, oh, he got all this plastic surgery, but then the plastic surgery was, like, really cosmetic stuff. So, Wouldn't yeah. that be interesting if it wasn't actually him? Wouldn't that be horrible if it wasn't actually him? Yeah. I guess, yeah. That would be horrible. would be really sad. Um, but then like the, I think they, I think it's believed that agent Hollis is the one that actually got him with the killing shot and like Jennifer Hoover, like actually like presented him with like an award. Oh, wow. So like they really wanted John Dillinger gone. Right. So, um, my sources were wikipedia.org, fbi.gov and pbs.org. And it was so funny because I read the Wikipedia one first and that's like, it's not like making him out to be a hero, but it's just like w- really factual. Uh-huh. 
And then the FBI.gov one was like, this dastardly criminal, John Dillinger, who terrorized the United States or the Midwest for years. And I was like, wow, you guys are really biased. (laughs) (laughs) It was just really kind of funny to like see such different different ways of the story being written. Right. So cool. Yeah. Do you want to try and do the social? Midwest MW Madness Podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. MW Madness Podcast at gmail.com. And Midwest Madness Podcast, the group on Facebook. And then there's a Twitter. I'm looking to see if I wrote it down. It's MW Madness Pod on Twitter. Perfect. Um, yeah. Other than that. We hope you guys enjoy the warming weather. Yes. One of my friends lives in South Dakota. She said it was 72 there today. I'm furious because it was not that nice here. It was was nice. 60. Yeah, it was nice, but it wasn't 72. 72. No, We still snow. So nice, but it's getting there. Yep. Um, Just everyone pray this cold goes away. (laughs) Send Emily all the good vibes you have. Please. She's really a sick of party being coming sick. up, and I don't want to be sick for it. We have like a month until that comes. No, three weeks. Three weeks. That's almost a month, there, buddy. That's three weeks. <laughs> Goes fast. So here we found out last weekend that I'm going to a bachelorette party, and Emily's going to a bachelorette party. They're the same day, the same time, and the same places. <laughs> yes. Um, the only difference is I'll be blacked out and Danielle will be sober. Yeah. So. So I told her and um, the, the bachelorette that she's going with, I was like, every time I see you, I'm taking a picture of you because I cannot wait to just watch them get progressively more and more drunk. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's going to be rough. So. I can't wait. But fun. Um, okay. <laughs> Other than that, you guys, we will talk to you next Tuesday and we hope you have a great week. Yep. Bye.